Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. You should never be ashamed of Jesus. That kind of hits a little differently, doesn't it? You're like, yeah, I shouldn't be ashamed of being a Christian. No, no, you shouldn't be ashamed of Jesus. Why would I ever be ashamed of Jesus? Why would you ever be ashamed of being a Christian? Like, wear it as a badge, proudly. No, this is who I am. I don't care if you like the church or don't like the church. The church is his bride. So you better treat the church with respect. If you disrespect the bride, the husband might get mad. Do you ever have that feeling like you have to keep your faith hidden? Like you can't be open about being a Christian? In today's message, Pastor James talks about how we don't have to hide our faith. We've been given the greatest gift of all, the gift of salvation, the gift of eternal life. We have a relationship with the God of the universe, the one that created us, who loves us, who died for us, and that's something that we should celebrate. So let's not hide our faith, let's proudly display it for all to see. He gives this gift freely. Now here's Pastor James in the book of 1 Peter chapter 4 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. I say this all the time, the world doesn't need more Christian jerks out there, okay? And that made me, that offended you. That's okay. We can still be friends. It's fine. We'll be okay. But we, we've had that. We've, we've had a long history of that. Instead of being like, like Christ and how he would pursue the lost, we, we, just, go, we just go in guns blazing, you know, It's like, no, 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 no. We still need to treat people with dignity and respect. These are souls we're talking about. These are souls. So he's laying this out for these these guys who who really are suffering. But this partnering with Christ, there's four results of this that we find in in, uh, specifically the New Testament. There's the, uh, back in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, there's this uh, overwhelming joy. You partner with Christ, you're identified with Christ. What comes with that is an abundance of joy. The other thing that comes along with that is a fellowship with Jesus. Like this koinonia is the Greek term. And it's a beautiful, like intimate kind of gathering thing. For me in Bible college, it will always be signified by fresh-baked cookies. You're like, what? Yeah. No, uh, Bible college. Starving Bible college students. Thursday nights, we had, I don't know what it was, some sort of chapel thing. But afterwards, they called it koinonia, like fellowship time. Well, the kitchen staff always dished out fresh-baked cookies. And for college students, you're like, oh, finally we get to eat, right? You're like, oh, man. Southern California, too, is, you know, everybody's trying to survive out there. But that in my brain, koinonia is always like cookie time. You know, it's like, oh yeah, that's nice. Um, and you can you can see you know see that smell the fresh baked cookies. Sit down with Jesus, break some cookie bread together, and just have a great time. Like that's part of this fellowship you have with Him. The fellowship in His suffering is uh, Philippians three verse ten. The third thing is to be glorified with Him. If you're identified with Him, if you suffer as a result of your connection to Him, just know Romans eight seventeen says that you will share in the in being glorified with him. 
And the other thing that, that surpasses all my understanding, which is not a lot, but four is reigning with him, 2 Timothy 2.12. Reigning with him. I'm like, what does that even mean? Like ruling and reigning with Christ. I don't even, it's hard for me to even think about what that could even begin to look like. But these are four things that you, that you have as you are identified with Christ that are like, that's your deal. Overwhelming joy, fellowship with Jesus, being glorified with him, and then reigning with him at a later date. It seems like those four things, are certainly are, they certainly are enough to get us through this life. And even beyond that, like, that's sweet. That's all cool stuff. But just the simple fact that you will be with Jesus forever. Like, for me, that's it. Done. Like, all this, you know, overwhelming joy. Yeah, that's sweet. I'll take it. Fellowship with him, that's, yeah, man, that's the deal. Like, one-on-one time with Jesus, please. Yeah, I'll take that for eternity. But that's what makes heaven heaven, right? Like, that's what makes heaven heaven is, is Jesus and being with Jesus. We can make it through this life. You can make it through anything that this life throws at you. Because in the end, you will be okay. You will be okay. He goes on to say, if you are insulted, verse 14, because you bear the name of Christ, you'll be blessed, right? Um, Even um, the Sermon on the Mount addresses that to a certain extent. Blessed are you if you're persecuted, right? So you'll be blessed if you're insulted. And and there's a key term here that's going to be repeated. It's if, if, if you are. If you are, doesn't mean you're, everybody's going to be, but if you are, well then, okay, don't seek out revenge. Consider it a blessing, okay? That's hard, right? Yeah, like, yeah, okay, apply that one. Yeah, that's difficult. That's easier said than done. But if you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed. If you are, you will be, Okay? For the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. Verse 15, if you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. Oh, the busybodies. Oh, that's not a good list to be on. Um, Yeah. Look, if you're going to suffer for righteousness, okay, you're blessed. If you're suffering because of sin, you get what you deserve. I'm sorry, but you get what you deserve, right? He's, so he's clarifying to these guys, like, look, these guys are coming after you, but that doesn't give you the right to sin. That doesn't give you the right to sin. These guys are stealing everything from you. That doesn't give you the right to steal back from them. These guys are, they're killing your family members. That doesn't give you the right to kill, to murder them. Murder is a term that's used there. And he also goes on to say, like, don't be a troublemaker. That's hard for some of us in this room. There's some of you who are like, you got no problem with that at all, right? You haven't caused trouble a single moment of your life. But there are some people in this room, that's a really hard one for you, right? Because if you're like me, it's like, it's just part of my DNA. Causing trouble is like where all the fun's at. Um, what do you mean it can't be a troublemaker? Well, don't, if you're suffering because of that, well, you kind of, you kind of ask for it. 
You can't ask for it. It's cause and effect. And the other one is for the busybody. Let me just say it like this. Mind your own business. Mind your own business. Just mind your own business, right? Stay focused on what God's called you to do and do that. Don't, don't be prying into other people's business. What You don't have any business there. Why? Why? I want to know how to pray for them. That's a lie. <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. You know it. The Exodus verse right there back in chapter 20. Don't bear false witness against your neighbor. Look, it's one thing to be concerned for people. And that's fine. Check in on them. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Um, but you, you need to keep that. You know, you, that, that, that's not a church prayer chain. I, the, the prayer chains can get really kind of dicey, right? Pray for other people. If somebody asks you to pray for them, you pray for them. And then that, that stops with you. If they give you permission to pursue prayer from other people, then you share that with other people. If they have not specifically given you permission to, to pray for those things, it stays with you. It stays with you. That's a protective thing for the body because there's been a lot of hurt in churches when we let this run wild. So this isn't saying like you, you, you can't be concerned for other people or you shouldn't know what's going on in other people's life. That's not what it's talking about. What it is talking about is you using that information to gain audiences with other people. And that's not your, that's not your place. That is not your place. That is something that we can't allow to, to creep into the church because that's a destructive thing. So mind your own business in that sense. We're, we're constantly looking out for each other praying for each other. How can I help you? If you're in this room, you need help with anything. There are people in this room who want to help you, right? That's a reality. Is that true? We're looking out for each other. We're, you know, we're helping each other out and all that good stuff. But, but we're also like, you know, keep confidentiality something that's, that's there, okay? Just if somebody goes to you, keep it to yourself. I have like, my brain is overloaded with confidential kind of stuff. Being a pastor, you're like, this past week, I don't know how many, like five, six counseling sessions, this is just this past week. And I'm like, my brain is full. <laughs> my brain is full. But I never like, I'm never going to be pulling people aside, be like, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? They came to me. That, that's not never, ever, ever going to happen. Nor should it happen between you and other people. Okay? So... Back into this, don't suffer for wrongdoing, essentially. You could sum, up, sum it up like that. Verse 16, but it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. This is one of, the only, one of only three times that word is used in your New Testament. The other two times are found in the book of Acts. Christian, it is in your Bibles, but it's only there three times. Okay, and here is the third time. It is no, it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian, nor is it a shameful thing to be a Christian, okay? In the day and age in which we live, you should not be ashamed of your identification with Christ Jesus. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, not ashamed of it. One of my favorite Christian rappers, Lecrae, he's got 116, that's his label, He's got, every single one of his guys has a tattooed on their body somewhere. Why? Because they are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus 
Christ. And that's how we should be as well. Shouldn't be ashamed to suffer as a Christian, nor should you be ashamed of being a Christian, or to say it another way, you should never be ashamed of Jesus. That kind of hits a little differently, doesn't it? You're like, yeah, I shouldn't be ashamed of being a Christian. No, no, you shouldn't be ashamed of Jesus. Why would I ever be ashamed of Jesus? Why would you ever be ashamed of being a Christian? Like, wear it as a badge, proudly. No, this is who I am. I don't care if you like the church or don't like the church. The church is his bride. So you better treat the church with respect. If you disrespect the bride, the husband might get mad. (laughs) If he's a good husband, and there's no better husband than Jesus. So, yeah, church is messy. Church is messed up. I get it, right? Don't be ashamed to suffer for being a Christian. Here he goes, the, the other side of that. Praise God. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. It is a privilege to be called by the name or the name of, of Christ, do Christian. It is a privilege to be that. It is a privilege. We should not be embarrassed by that or ashamed of that or try to hide that. Hello, my name is James. I'm a Christ follower. It's who I am. It's who I am. I'm a sinner saved by the grace of God and the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's who I am. That is my identity. That is my identity. I'm not ashamed of that, and nor should any of you be ashamed of that. It's, it's a privilege, so we should rejoice in that, is what he's saying. Verse 17, for the time has come for judgment. Oh, that's not nice. Um, wait, wait, wait a minute. No, like, wait, judgment for the bad guys, right? Oh, not necessarily. Let's look at what it says. So it's time for judgment, and it must begin with God's household. And you're like, wait a minute. Like, wait, no, okay, so now you're telling me that suffering is a part of the gig, and now you're telling me that when he judges, he starts first with the church. Yeah. Yeah, and he should. You're not exempt from it. You're not exempt. You can't, like, go speeding down the highway and get pulled over by a cop, and then he comes up to the window and says, all right, hey, you know why I'm pulling you? you officer, let me tell you something. I know I, was, I, I broke the law. I sinned. You know, but here's what I did. I confessed it to God, and I asked him to forgive me, and he has, so you can put your ticket book away. Because I'm good. Like, I'm good. That's not how it works. God might whisper in that cop's ear, like, give him two. Give him another one. I'm sure you can find something wrong with this car. Like, that, we would be foolish to think that that's how it works for us, as if we were exempt from consequences, okay? Judgment should start with the house of God. We know better. We know better, okay? So he's going to deal with, he, he's gonna deal with his, his kids first. He's going to deal with his kids first. And this judgment, it's, it's, a, it's a corrective thing. It's disciplinary. It's what it is. And he disciplines those whom he loves, is what the book of Hebrews tells us. So if you feel like you got spanked or swatted by God, I don't even know if that's a thing anymore. Um, I lived in a day and age where I got swats in school um, by a principal. Anybody else? Yeah. Um, We're the chosen generation. Um, They stopped that with us. Uh, Maybe that's for the best. I don't know. Um, But if you ever felt like that from God, please know that He's doing that because he loves you. Because you're probably doing something that could be very damaging and hurtful. 
And sometimes he needs to come alongside and correct us. So he allows persecutions. This is just a quote from John Walvoord. God allows persecutions as a disciplinary judgment to purify the lives of those in the family of God. So he can allow these trials, testings, persecutions, these hard times, I would say it like that, to purify his followers, to get a hold of your attention. Because maybe you're doing a bunch of stuff you shouldn't be doing. And God knows how to come alongside and be like, well, let me turn the temperature up a little bit. Because he wants to get a hold of your, he wants to get a hold of, of your, your attention because he loves you and he really does see the big picture and he knows what's best for you. So we praise God for that. Time of judgment's come for the, God's household. And it says, and if God, if judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's gospel or his good news. Okay? So it's coming, like that disciplinary action is coming for us. It's this refining type thing. And it's one thing to be his kid, but that judgment and discipline is, will be happening universally. Better to be his kid than somebody who has flat out rejected him, okay? It says, and also, verse 18, if the righteous uh, are barely saved, or yours may say scarcely saved, I kind of like the barely saved a little bit, um, kind of paints a, a different picture there. But if we're barely saved, and that's not a salvation thing, Okay? It's not talking about like, you, like your salvation. This is like a rescue kind of thing, uh, sparing kind of a deal. If the righteous are barely saved, what will happen to godless sinners? And this is a good verse, and, and maybe you never thought about underlining it or highlighting it, but this is a good verse to keep you humble. You and I, barely saved. So don't go walking around with your chest all puffed up thinking you're some sort of super Christian. No, we all fit into this category of like, yeah, you, yeah, just barely, barely. barely. <laughs> like when you go marching into heaven, ain't nobody throwing you a parade. <laughs> like we've been waiting for you. They're like, I can't believe you made it. <laughs> wow. You still, you still got smoke on your clothes. Like you were that close. <laughs> That's a good mentality to have. None of us are above anybody else. And in the world of Christianity, there's none of us are, are further down the road, so to speak. We're, the, the, the ground at the cross is level, is what Billy Graham used to say. Now, you might be more mature because you've been walking with the Lord for longer, and that's, that's a maturity thing. That's what I'm talking about. But that's not like you're, you're more important than somebody else. Okay, we're all valuable within the family of God. But, but don't let it go to your head, though, thinking like you're a super saint. There's no such thing as a super saint. Okay, so, but again, that process that's talking about this refining discipline is, is what that's, that's a, a reference towards. Verse 19, so if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, meaning suffering for righteousness, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. Let me read that verse again. Let me read it again. Okay? Let me just take a second to let it sink in. If you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right. 
and trust your lives to the God who created you. For he will never fail you. He will never fail you. But it feels like he's failing me, man, because my life is falling apart. He will never fail you. He, I don't know how it's going to work out. See, this is the, this is the difficulty, right? Because I can say this thing, but you're living through something. And you're like, but my life feels like it's falling apart. How is this going to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his plan and his purpose, Romans chapter 8? Like, I'm not seeing that. Keep doing what's right. I'm not saying the fog's going to clear today, but eventually the fog will dissipate. It will clear, and you will see why you went through what you are presently going through. He's got a plan. He has a plan. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? He will come through for you. He will never, ever fail you. So with that reality, never, ever give up. Never give up. It is always too early to quit. It is always too soon to quit. Always. Always. He's got you. And trust your soul to a faithful creator and continue to do good. Now, speaking of his faithfulness and how he's, you know, he's going to come through for you 100%. I have this little picture. A little levity for you. I don't know if you can see this image. It is hilarious. Your chances of being killed by a raccoon are low, but they are never zero. You see that creepy little raccoon standing on his hind legs, staring into a window. You're like, all right, I think my chances have kind of gone up a little bit. And I use that as a silly thing to illustrate to you the fact that God's chances of never coming through for you are, look, he's always going to come through for you. He, he's never, the chance of God failing you is zero. Zero. But I can't tell you how that's going to look. I can't tell you how that's going to work out. I can't tell you when he's going to show up. What I do know is that if you're his kid, he will come through for you. I, I don't know what that's going to look like, though. That's the thing. I can't make you any promises of how he's going to, but I can, based on the word of God, proclaim to you a promise that he will never fail you. He'll never fail you. So keep going. Keep going. And then look around. We had those hands raised. Who, who, who's been having a difficult time in this life recently? No, keep your hand in the air. Like, look. Look around at, in this room. People are going through difficult times, and we're here to minister to each other. You can put your hands down. <laughs> we're here to minister to each other. So make yourself available, number one, to be ministered to. But then also, if you're having a good week, then you make yourself available to minister to somebody who had a hand raised. That's, that's body life, guys. That's what being a church is. We're coming alongside each other. We're helping each other out. But I can't help you out if you don't let me know how I can help you out. So be wise. Because again, we're, we're, we're squashing the whole busybody thing. And we want to create an atmosphere where people can be transparent with each other without the fear of like, is this going to end up on Facebook? right? No, it's not going to end up on Facebook. Whatever you say to somebody else is going to stay with them. And they're going to pray for you. And if they can help you, they're going to help you. That's what a church is. That's what a church does. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless, red for the broken heart.
Don't you find it interesting that some of the most inspiring stories involve the main character suffering and possibly even dying for the sake of the cause? This theme is interwoven into mankind because it's inspired by Jesus himself. He suffered unjustly at the hands of cruel and sinful men, but the story didn't end with suffering and death. Although the final chapter of this life typically ends with suffering and death, the life beyond earthly existence is something that's worth taking risks and even suffering for. Living the Christian life is risky. It involves dying to yourself and being willing to take the heat from those that don't want to hear the message. If you're just tuning into this message and would like a little more backstory to the book of 1 Peter, we encourage you to go to our website, breadforthebroken.com, and take a look at the additional messages. As you browse our website, you'll also find an easy way to donate to this ministry if God leads you to do so. Are you in the Galveston area? If so, come visit us at Calvary Galveston. Once more, you can find out all the details of service times and location at our website, breadforthebroken.com. If you're not in the area, then you can join us on our live stream. We live stream on Facebook. Just search for Calvary Galveston. Here on Bread for the Broken, our mission is to find hope and new life in Jesus. We trust that what you're hearing on this radio ministry is uplifting to your soul, reminding you that your new life starts with Jesus. Leave a marker in your Bible where we've left off and come back again for more here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man.